And that is where we're able to see a lot of the conflicts that we're experiencing resolved. Like you and I can chat about work relationships, right? And hopefully, hopefully the conflict is, doesn't seem as daunting anymore because we've been able to talk about it. It's helpful when I know that there's someone else that I can express what is going on. And in the same way, they can also confide in me too. And we can journey through life together, conflict or not. Hey, welcome to the Hustle Differently podcast, a space for millennial professionals who are navigating career curveballs while driving closer to Christ. I'm Adriana, and each episode I chat with millennial professionals about the spiritual lessons they've learned in their career journey. On this episode, I chat with Chingere Arundu, a writer and conflict resolution specialist. Chingere has a master's degree in conflict analysis and resolution and is currently studying divinity with an emphasis in womanist theology. We talk about the ways conflict resolution intersects with our faith and identity and the Holy Spirit as the expert conflict resolution practitioner. Chingere provides so many resources and tips to help you on your journey managing conflict internally and and in community. All right, let's jump into the conversation. Hey, Chinira, I'm so excited to have you here on the Hustle Differently podcast. How are you doing? I'm good, and thank you for having me here. So let's talk a little bit about what does conflict resolution mean? So conflict resolution, in essence, is being able to identify some of the things that are causing tension, uh, differences, or some sort of just uncomfortability in whatever is the status quo. It's important to know that not all conflict is bad, though the ones that are, you know, injustice or like unjust or that are, you know, the things that we see in our community that just should not be happening. That's conflict that we are very much um, able to call out and demand that things be shifted. When we talk about conflict resolution, there's also conflict transformation. There's also conflict management. And so conflict resolution is kind of like Think of it of, you know, we are definitely trying to put an end to whatever it is. Um, we want to make sure that this does not spring up again. And, you know, that's it. That's final. Conflict transformation is through the viewpoint of I am now seeking to collaborate with the community that I'm, you know, in putting in my time into. So that way they are the ones who are now able to decide how conflict transformation looks like in their own context. So it's very much like these are these are the tools, this is what I'm able to help you with, but ultimately you are the one that is going to take ownership and agency how over how this looks like for you and your community. And conflict management is what we probably often see in the workplace. We have employee to employee conflict or manager and employee conflict. How are we able to now resolve what's happening so that way the work can still happen and both parties are in essence appeased because ultimately we don't want to lose both manager and employee or you know vice versa because if not the work can't continue these are just truncated um, examples and so there's definitely much more in depth to them all but when I talk about conflict resolution there's also transformation management as well too as millennials conflict resolution is something that we're constantly learning. Adulting can be difficult, learning conflict resolution with friends, in the workplace. I want to hear from you about, you know, what is the intersection between faith and conflict resolution? Where do you see that intersection? And how does womanist theology really align with that, if it does at all? When I started my conflict program, and that was in 2019, 
I was already walking in with a lot of, I would say at this point, inner conflict and questioning on where I fit in academia in the questions that I study and more so just how I live my life as a young Black woman here just navigating life. And so as I started the program, that was also the same time, like I had shared, that I started this seminary. And basically, my question was, and my question still is, how does faith spaces, and particularly my background, like, like we have already discussed, is in Christianity and Adventism in particular. And so my viewpoint now is being raised and born into an Adventist context. Now looking at conflict, it's kind of like, okay, I kind of really have to assess what faith and conflict both look like together because for me it's hard to you know separate one from the other I don't want to speak for everyone else's experience but I feel like at some point in our faith walk we have experienced this like wait why am I here or like wait why do I still believe this or I'm seeing these stuff happening in our collective communities and we're okay with this like is are we not going to speak up about this and so I was having multiple of those moments as I was growing up and particularly around the time that I started my program. For me, it was, I cannot authentically participate in my faith communities if we're not also talking about the same time about how I feel so much conflict also in my faith communities. And it's, it was a hard, I guess, medium to find yourself in because it's like, this is a place where I found my identity. This is a place where I, you know, made a lot of my friendships and relationships and stuff. So for me now to vocalize that I've experienced harm or that I'm experiencing, you know, just the recognition that others have felt harm in our faith communities, I felt a bit more of an obligation to now, if I'm going to commit to further academic study, to learn from those who have already trailed this path of questioning of faith and conflict, what are these two and why should we talk about these two sectors together? And ultimately being able to partake in that work and say, yeah, I do want for my faith community to be a place that we are able to address, confront and not shy away from conflict, but also not harm people at the same time. So what it sounds like is it's not just conflict resolution in the interpersonal, right? But it's also in our faith communities as Christians, there's sometimes like a disconnect with sort of standing up for social issues and things going on as well. And I think, and what it sounds like is that there's an area for conflict resolution from like an institutional level as well. And like reconciliation between the institution and the Christian faith community and the social issues that we're facing, whether it's misogyny, whether it's police brutality, racism, and a number of other isms that, you know, with our layered identities, we often face. So I definitely want to hear a little bit more about that and how our layered identities and experiences affect how we do and should approach conflicts. And, you know, even added layer, if you want to talk about as Christians as well. That journey of questioning, you know, faith and conflict, that is now where the womanism aspect came to play. As I was studying and my emphasis with my conflict program was really understanding more about the intersection of race, gender, and religion. And so through uh, theology, we already know about, you know, the Black liberation theologies, the liberation theologies that we often hear about. And for womanist theology in particular, it was, it's really important. It's, it's not just like a, uh, 
you know, it's not just like a, I don't even know how to describe it, but it's, it's, it's so real. And it's not just like a textbook definition. If this is something that we practice and we live and we find healing in. And so there was a black liberation theology, but then it really did center only black men in particular and their access in the, you know, in this expression of the gospel and the expression of being able to, you know, engage in God talk. Feminist theologies really only prioritized white women's access into theology and God talk. So where was the space then for black women? And it is really important that when, you know, when we're talking about conflict and when we're talking about living out our faith and also being millennial and, you know, just all of the, you know, all the layers at the same time too, I think of womanist theology as a specially crafted table for black women to go ahead now and unpack and parse out what it means to be both black and woman and Christian and or religious and whatever, however we define ourselves and a place that it's really intentional to also hear our experiences at the same time too. I think there are far too limited spaces that are not centered towards black women. And so to have a space that not only engages through literature, scripture, and then also in the telling and storytelling, it's a beautiful space that's so opposite than what our world really shows us. And that is something where I now see, okay, when we talk about conflict, womanism is an avenue and a medium to go ahead and realize that, yeah, you're not, you know, the things that you have in your mind, it's, you know, this is something I've gone through too, or yeah, they are kind of talking to you some type of way and you're not, you know, you're not thinking things crazy, you know, and misogynoir is a real thing. And the, the expectations of Black women to produce or to be the caretaker or to be the one at the forefront of things. Yeah, that's an actual thing. And we can also imagine something new. And so that's why I find uh, such beauty in meshing the two of womanist theology and conflict resolution together because it's an avenue for Black women to parse out the conflicts that we've experienced and also not denying the fact that we're both Black and women and whatever is our class identification and things of that sort. As you were talking, I was thinking about first, I heard someone recently talk about how, you know, they were born in India and Christians and India kind of feel this disconnect between, you know, being a Christian and their Indian identity and how to mesh the two. And that kind of came to mind as you were talking. I feel as somebody who grew up Haitian, right? And you Nigerian, I'm sure you probably experienced that too. Like, where's that connect? between Christian faith and like the ethnicity and cultural heritage that you were kind of raised with. And you find that sometimes in churches, the way we worship or the way we interpret scripture, it can kind of like sometimes seem like it's clashing with the things we're taught from like a culture perspective. And the second thing that came to mind was how scripture is used to talk about how women aren't supposed to be in leadership and <laughs> and things like that, right? I think we've seen it from like women as pastors but sometimes that's used as like women shouldn't be like VPs like Kamala Harris like you know women shouldn't be in leadership position that role is for men and women are meant to be in a submissive roles and I think sometimes it's very counter to what sometimes God is calling individual women to do I don't know if you have any thoughts on that and want to expand on that 
oh, I have lots of thoughts on that. But, <laughs> Good. <laughs> so I do, can just already remember conversations that we've had, like with other young adults in the area, you know, am I black first or am I Christian first? And okay, I know that, you know, maybe five years down the line, when I re-listen to this uh, recording, I may be like, oh, I'm not sure why I said what I said, but God made me black. And before I even knew who God was and who God is, God saw me and made me black and woman. So now that I am born here on earth and having some sort of grappling on religious conversation, how do I religiously identify? I don't feel that I have to now hide me being black and woman if God made me this way. Being on this journey is, and that's just something that I have found being in this program, the Conflict Resolution Program, it has been a daily shedding of realizing that I have internalized so much of white supremacy and the way that I view myself, the way I view God and everything. And this unpacking and dissecting and being able to say, okay, I'm not going to agree with this anymore, or this is actually not of God. For me now to say that I have to now hide how I am both physically and intrinsically for God to accept me, I cannot agree with that. And that is definitely something that we, as especially as Black people too, it's, it's very white supremacist. I just can't, there's just no other way to like say it nicely, but to think that I now have to uh, hide myself for me to be in the presence of God and deemed worthy when God made me in my fullest extent, right? And that's another thing about womanist uh, theology, and I may just repeat this a lot of times, but again, this is, this is just the area. Recognizing that I do not have to shame myself anymore, and I don't have to put myself down anymore, or, you know, especially when we talk about things like colorism, for example, if God made me dark skinned, I don't have to now feel as if, you know, someone who is of lighter complexion or, you know, looser hair texture or whatever it may be is better than I am. And the, so me and my fullness and how I am is good because that's how God took time to craft me. And so I do not think that it is healthy now to feel that I have to pretend as if I cannot see myself, you know, and say, yes, I don't see, like, I don't see color. Or I don't see, no, 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 no. I see it and I see myself and I see others and I'm able to see the handiwork of God at the same time too. And I also want to sh like, you know, be rid of the confines of thinking that I can only relate to God through Christianity. Oh man, does that, I hope that's not like too like, uh oh, but, <laughs> but if, if God can be seen and felt through all people outside of Christian and Adventist context, then very much so me and my blackness and my womanness is not of something that I need to hide at the same time too. Break that down. You can't, you can't, uh -oh. <laughs> you said it. <laughs> um, Cause I know people are gonna be like, what does she mean? Well, break that down. Like, what did you mean by, and what does it look like to not only relate to God through, yeah, relate to God through Christianity. I believe that's what you said. Yeah, so, yeah, something along those lines. Basically, I believe that we are able to explore who God is through multiple ways. Now, I know that could probably be misinterpreted, and I don't want it to be misinterpreted, but what I am saying is that if 
I believe that my own conception of God is the only way that I'm putting myself at a deficit and putting myself now in the viewpoint of this is the way that I have learned about who God is. And this is who I am current. Like this is the current phase of who I'm understanding who God is. And I have so much more to learn and I can have so much more to learn through the relationships with other people. Then that allows me to be able to see God and God's fullness. And I want to be more in that viewpoint to know that I am not the bearer of, or, you know, the gatekeeper of who God is, um, but rather all of us are able to now have this shared experience of understanding who God is, and we can have this mutual benefit relationship with all of us. And that is something that is very opposite in the way that, and I don't want to speak for all of the churches, but again, you know, this is my concept through, you know, being a first generation Nigerian American and how we view God, especially in the conservative SCA church, it's like, it's you know, only a select few can now share with all. And it's now just very <laughs> like radical to now just believe that all of us can now be able to experience God and there is no one way. Hold on. I know someone's going to say the scripture said the only way is to Jesus. Now, hold on. <laughs> I know that one. I know that. Let me put that preface. But more so, um, if I, like in the way that I not practice that, let me say it like that, in the way that I practice, I cannot be the only right one. What really resonated what you said is like, I'm not the gatekeeper on who God is. God's character doesn't change, but he shows up to us in a way that we can understand and relate. And I think sometimes we think that because God showed up in this way, that he shows up in this way for everyone else. Sometimes that's the case and sometimes that's not true. And what it sounds like the theme of what you were saying is what is this willingness and openness to have conversation and to learn. And I think about even the stories of Jesus, how Jesus, when he related to people, whether it was a Samaritan woman or when he healed the little girl when her parents thought that she was dying, you know, he spoke to her in her native language and said, Little girl, rise up. He had an understanding of culture and the landscape and was able to resonate with people in that way and it was very unique but his character was still the same there was no like compromising I guess who he was and his integrity and I think sometimes we think that like with people saying that God showed up in this way that it's then like God is somebody different and it's not necessarily the case I know that a lot of people, whatever relationships that they're working relationships or anything that they are trying to figure out ways to like approach communication, approach ways to like resolve or come to an agreement with people that they're working with. I don't know if you, there's any kind of like tips or any tools that you can provide the listeners. If we've made it to this point, like we're listening to this podcast, uh, we have already been practicing conflict resolution. It's impossible for us to have made it this point and have not done some sort of conflict resolution work. Uh, now it's just more so of like labeling it with you know special names. Yeah, I would say that you know whether we find ourselves in the workplace, whether we find ourselves just um, in turn, like just on our own or in community or wherever we find ourselves, there are two two main assessments that are always are just like. These are good. Um, the Meyer Briggs um, assessment, and you know that's something that perhaps you've taken it before. You had like therapist appointment, or you're at a new workplace, and your manager just wants to get a feel of for you know for who you are, or you are a new student here at orientation, and your advisor just wants to understand more of your background or wherever it is, right? 
these four factors of these assessments and oh man it's like missing my mind but like sensing or intuition feeling thinking um judging perceiving and i know i'm missing the two others but basically oh yeah introversion or extroversion right you take that test and you're able to understand more of who you are and i think like when we are continuing in our conflict resolution work and as you're building your own toolkit it's important to know yourself. It's important to have that level of self-awareness and that emotional awareness to know, okay, this is kind of how I am. And I've taken that assessment twice. I mean, I haven't taken it, you know, during this pandemic, so I don't know if things have changed, but as of the last two results, I am a tried and true INFJ. And so that just helps me just, you know, already like out the bat, I'm an introvert. Let me not try and like pretend as if I'm all, you know, extroverted and stuff, because I'm not. And so <laughs> this helps me now to be able to know that when I'm entering into workplaces or if I'm entering into places where I'm in um, connection with other people, I no longer feel, how do I say it? Like not embarrassed, but I no longer feel like the need to conform a certain way or to act extra, you know, bubbly or whatever it is just to make sure everyone else is comfortable. Cause it's like, that's not who I am. So you're going to take me as I am and I'm going to do what I need to do. And that sort of thing, you know, if you haven't yet taken the test, that is helpful for you to be able just to know more of who you are. And then that of itself will be able to help with just like the internal questions that we have. Uh, oh, I'm not sure like if my manager likes the way that I do this, like, have you explained to them? Uh, this is my process when I'm working on and you know, on an assignment or a project or things of that sort. I typically listen first, then respond, or I typically just shoot out a lot of responses and then I can get on the work, you know, having that communication and that conversation with them would also help to foster the uh, working relationship, you know, working dynamics that you have with whoever it is, be it a boss or something else. Another assessment that I would definitely recommend is the Thomas uh, Kilman test. And so this is an assessment that really helps for whoever is taking it to know what is your conflict mode style. When you find yourself in a situation, again, as we said, like not all conflict is bad. And so basically conflict allows for you to not just see things at eye level, but now dig deeper. It's trying to show you what's happening under the surface that's not physically seen. And it's calling for you to put on your, you know, your special glasses. And it's inviting you to be more curious about what is happening because it's, it's a signal that there's something deeper happening. So the Thomas Kilman test has five different mode styles. And as a person, you can exude all of them at the same time, or you can only do one. And they range from avoiding, accommodating, collaborating, compromising, or competing. So you take your assessment, and after you answer those questions, they'll also give you a score of, you know, you typically have you know, this or this or this. So um, self-disclosure or full disclosure, however you say it. Um, I took the test twice and my results were leaning more towards avoiding and accommodating. And so this is something where looking at your results also allows for you to understand what are the external dynamics that also have may, may have affected my results. And so seeing myself also as a Black woman, if my results are avoiding and accommodating, it's kind of telling of things that I feel like are socially acceptable or trying to shy away from the different conflicts that I see because I don't want to come off as troublesome or pushing up against the status quo. Or, you know, if I'm accommodating, then everyone is, everyone is pleased. I'm a people pleaser, right? It's horrible. I don't want to do that anymore. And so now I am, you know, in real time trying to 
work on what it means to have more of a compromising, at times competing or a collaborative approach to things. Meaning I want to voice my needs on the things that I want and knowing that I can have it at the table and it also be heard. So for someone who's trying to build their toolkit, I would definitely recommend these two assessments as well as another tool through what I find really helpful is through self-reflection and doing that through journaling or doing that through just times of when you are, you are having you to you conversations, <laughs> you know, and sometimes it may be difficult because it's hard to call yourself out because you want to just, you know, you don't like that. It's not comfortable, but when you're able to have the time to be real and to say, you know, I may not have, you know, it probably wasn't the best thing to respond that way. Or I actually could have followed up with that person a little bit quicker, or I realized that I'm probably rushing. Let me pause and let me make sure that I'm taking care of myself or I am not getting enough sleep. Why am I not getting enough sleep? You know, those sort of things, you know, as we are all on this journey of having and exuding more agency over the conflicts that we are seeing, making sure that we are also being in tune with, with our body, with our mind and, you know, implementing self-care. And I know self-care is very much like we hear it often, but self-care actually is really essential. We are looking at the fact that there are often a lot of the conflicts at its core is because basic needs are not met. And if we are also neglecting ourselves and not taking care of, you know, I haven't eaten well or that sort of thing, it's going to be hard to, you know, actually be able to move forward in the things that we do. It's a very long-winded answer, but there's so many things that we can, you know, build into our toolkit and um, it's all highly accessible for us right now. The first time I took the Myers-Briggs, I was an INFJ too. So I was like, oh, <laughs> and then I took it again, maybe 2019, yeah, 2019. And I was the ISFJ. So the other three letters didn't change, but the N and the S swapped. I know in my experiences, understanding other people's work styles as well has been helpful for me, especially with my experience in consulting, like I would be on projects where I would have like multiple people to report to. So it was like constantly, and especially being the most junior person, constantly trying to remember like, oh, this manager has this style. So I have to like approach things this way and like constantly have to be flexible and adapting and also like understanding my style and works best. So I think sometimes taking the personality test is helpful for you, but then you get to see the other styles and be like, oh, that's kind of like how my manager is or how my colleague is. And maybe I could do this to help adjust the working relationship and able, and able for us to like work together well. And I think that's a lot of like what relationship is about. Sometimes you do have to adapt in a sense that you're not necessarily morphing yourself, but you're adapting in a sense to be able to serve, right? And work and to, to build community and to understand each other. That takes listening that you talked about, but then communicating, but then also understanding yourself. To add on to that, the Holy Spirit is like the expert conflict resolution, you know, yes, right? Yes. Just talk about it. Talk right. about it. <laughs> and so I'll say that'll preach. Look, we're not preaching here. So, um, <laughs> but, preach, preacher, but, preach. <laughs> we use prayer as a wonderful medium to communicate what is on our hearts and what is on our minds. And that of itself is something where as we're just vocalizing it of whatever we've gone through, what we're experiencing, 
I'm talking right now about a separate aspect, right? I'm talking about like the day-to-day living, the work life, right? If we're talking about conflict of, you know, racial injustice, sexism, things of that sort, that's a different conversation. That's a different piece. That's a different type of like petition and uh, conflict style and, you know, resolution style that we would use. And of course, we would definitely still use, or not use, but still be in communication and deep communication with the Holy Spirit to guide us on how to resolve those conflicts. Now, when we're talking about like on the day-to-day work life, personal life, relationships, and whatever like that we find ourselves attached to, it is the Holy Spirit that gives us wisdom to now um, know what to say, how to say, when to say it. You know, I mentioned earlier about like the avoid, like avoiding as one of the five conflict mode uh, styles, right? And look, I'm I'm a I'm a <laughs> put this one up because this is my style and yes but <laughs> one of the things about the avoiding um conflict mode style is that they take their time in responding now definitely if you take too long to respond it, it does not help the situation but one of the things that avoiders do is they are still engaged about what is happening but they're also assessing and waiting and then after thinking about it and analyzing it, now knowing where to better insert themselves into the situation. That is why I find prayer such as as a as a necessary and core aspect of our toolkit wherever we find ourselves, because the Holy Spirit will let us know, all right, you need to say this and you need to say this now. Or you need to wait and I'll tell you when to go. And you need to be okay with that in-between time, right? Because you know, when we talk about conversations like forgiveness in the face of injustice, or when we talk about just, you know, trying to rectify broken relationships, right? I cannot force the other to go ahead and fit onto my timeline. I cannot force somebody to forgive me. I cannot force someone to now be back into relationship if I've been the one to, you know, harm it or, you know, just break it apart. And so it's kind of like, as we see things and we don't participate in this world, just knowing that things are only on the physical realm, but we know that there is definitely the spiritual aspect to it. So the conflicts that we see, it is also another signal into Holy Spirit. What are you trying to show me? What are you trying to, you know, show all of us here as we are working together towards this issue, right? And with that, it'll allow for better cohesion in the work that's done. So not only is prayer and being in connection with the Holy Spirit essential, not only are the personality assessments great to know who you are, but conflict resolution cannot be done on your own. It is in connection with others. And so we join in hand in hand with one another. We share what is going on. We connect with a therapist. We go ahead and make, you know, making sure that we can find our needs being met through another. It's kind of like, I have this, you need this, or I need this and you have it. And we are working side by side together. And that is where we're able to see a lot of the conflicts that we're experiencing resolved. Like you and I can chat about work relationships, right? And hopefully, hopefully the conflict is, doesn't seem as daunting anymore because we've been able to talk about it. It's helpful when I know that there's someone else that I can express what is going on. And in the same way, they can also confide in me too. And we can journey through life together, conflict or not. Oh, yeah. Okay. So there's so much that you said there. So many little nuggets. First, I want to start off with the Holy Spirit leading and how prayer and I want to add in scripture is so important. Sometimes we don't know what the other person has going on or, you know, what the action or the words or whatever it could be stemming from. And I think allowing the Holy Spirit to lead in 
resolving conflict or managing relationships or nurturing relationships is so important because we don't always know what's in that person's heart and how sometimes what we say and could do can sort of harm the person not harm them physically I mean if it's harming them physically like that's an issue too but I think also as important is like it could be harming them spiritually there's always that verse like we don't we don't we don't battle with um flesh and blood with <laughs> with like principalities right but that, that's like a real thing like we rely only on our like human abilities and what we know it can deceive us right and this reliance on the holy spirit this reliance on prayer this reliance on on scripture and sometimes even or maybe all times, really, the example of like Jesus's life and how he dealt with so much conflict, so much shade, so much pettiness, <laughs> so much pettiness, but he was still able to like give grace and give mercy and to be patient with people who didn't understand in that moment, who wouldn't understand until he was crucified and rose again. Like, I think that's something that like takes practice but like it's has to, we have to be really really intentional about it and really really allow ourselves to be open and led by the spirit I don't know if there's anything else that you didn't talk about or you didn't mention that you think it's important for the listeners to know or if there's any other resources or anything else that you feel like you didn't get an opportunity to share that you want to share I write at the conflicted womanist and I also do a newsletter and website there and the the whole essence and journey of it is to explore both the womanist literature, life, and what that means being a faith person, and then also at the end of the day, putting into practice what conflict resolution looks like. And so as I'm about to transition to a new program and definitely diving deeper into womanist theology, I encourage you to follow along and subscribe. So in real time, as I'm learning, you are also learning too, and we can all do this together. And so that is theconflictedwomanist.com, and you can find all of my information there and contact me. Awesome. I'll, I'll leave the link in the description for this episode so people can find it. And just once you scroll, you can just click on it and pop over to her website, <laughs> to Chenera's website. Thank you so much for chatting with me today and sharing what you've been learning. I think there's a lot of practical tips that can be taken from this as we, like you said, continue on this journey, kind of add to the toolkit that we already have when solving and, and managing conflict. Thank you so much for having me as well, too. I thoroughly enjoyed that conversation. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can access the show notes in the description and the transcripts on hustledifferently.com. I'm inviting you to share this episode with your friends and people you think would resonate with this content. To make sure you do not miss the next episode, click the subscribe button. And lastly, please rate the podcast and leave a review in the Apple Podcast app. It will help this podcast reach more people and let them know why they should listen. Thank you for your support.